Welcome to episode 41 of On The Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On The Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. On the Schmooze is a headliner on the business podcast hub, C-Suite Radio, which is part of the C-Suite Network. They also have C-Suite TV, where you can watch in-depth interviews with business content for leaders and entrepreneurs. The good news? It's all on demand. Check it out at c-suitetv.com and c-suiteradio.com. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is first and foremost a dad. What began as a small playgroup in 2008 became the New York City Dads Group and in 2013 expanded into the City Dads Group network with 26 groups across the country. This diverse community supports dads of all stripes, providing opportunities to socialize as they navigate parenthood together. In addition to co-founding these groups, he co-hosts the Modern Dads podcast, a monthly show highlighting stories of 21st century dads and families. He regularly contributes to and is quoted by media outlets interested in telling the stories of involved dads. As an at-home dad myself, I was grateful to discover this network of involved fathers existed and have become actively involved with the Boston Dads Group. I had an opportunity to meet my guest in person at Home DadCon, hosted by the National At-Home Dad Network. Please join me in welcoming Matt Schneider. It's great to be here, Robbie. Matt, thanks for speaking with me from New York City, where you live with your wife and two sons. I, I want to just jump right in. I know my audience will be curious to hear a little bit more about you and your day-to-day, but since this is a podcast about leadership and building great networks, tell me, what does leadership mean to you, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? You know, leadership to me is is seeing an opportunity and taking it, whether it's an opportunity to make change or an opportunity to fix something. It's it's kind of having the wherewithal to step in. And I, I think I've always been one that I, not to just stand and watch something uh, not working or something that needed needed even the smallest adjustment. So it's kind of always been there. That's awesome. Are there any examples early on of someone maybe recognizing those qualities in you or encouraging you to take on a leadership role? Yeah, there are a couple. I actually, in elementary school, I was the president of the student council in sixth grade. And <laughs> uh, I, re- I remember my teachers really encouraging me towards that. Um, and I remember uh, trying to seize that opportunity and actually make change within our school um, I don't remember the changes offhand, but uh, I, re- I remember the role. And I was thinking the other day, I remember a uh, boss that I had uh, when I was working in the telecom industry in the, the late 90s. Uh, he actually said to me, uh, gave me a compliment I really appreciated. He, he liked to see the big picture, but also see the details and, and try to balance between those two. And I think that uh, is a critical skill of a leader. Uh, it definitely is. I think uh, you can get really lost in the details, lost in the weeds, and forget the, sort of the, the practical purpose of where you're supposed to be headed, or you can be all about the vision and not bring people along with you. So definitely an important skill. I have to say a lot of the people that I've interviewed have mentioned something about taking on some sort of student council leadership role early on. And it seems that there's something that people recognize in you to even invite you to take that on. And you somehow, even at a young age, sixth grade, realized that there was something you could do as a leader. You know, you don't remember those changes now, but you remember being spurred to action and trying to get others to join you. I'm sure it was something about cafeteria food, because usually that's what it would be. I know those are the promises that people make, but I, I brought my lunch from home every day. So it, it wasn't that. <laughs> it wasn't that. So these days, you're taking on leadership in an entirely new way. Uh, as an at-home dad, you you saw an opportunity to bring home, bring together other at-home dads in New York City. It's quite a few years ago now. How did that all come about? Uh, actually, the credit goes to Lance Sommerfeld, uh, my bus- now business partner. Uh, he and I were teachers together uh, at PS86 in the Bronx. I decided to take 
what I thought would be a year off from teaching to be at home with my oldest son. Uh, that was now about 12 years ago. Um, so I took, I was off for three years. Uh, he, uh, followed my lead about three years later, uh, took off with his first son. I, I obviously didn't go back to work. Uh, he took off, um, about three years later at the same time my second son was born and he looked at me uh, in that time that he was home with his son and said, what have you been doing in New York City? There is nothing for dads. Uh, it was all mommy and me play groups and mommy and me classes. And you go to the playground and it's all mommies and nannies. So he, he questioned me. He was, he was wondering what I had been doing and I did not have a good answer. I, I had been hanging out uh, with mommies and nannies. Um, and certainly looking back, I recognize how isolated I was and how I had really lost kind of myself. I was Max's dad, and that was my my place in the world. Uh, and it really took Lance saying, let's start something up. Uh, let's start NYC Dads Group. And we were getting together ourselves, but uh, we knew that there must be some other at-home dads out there uh, that wanted to get together as well. Uh, and then not... Too long after that, we recognized that you didn't have to be at home with, with your kids full time to want to get together with other dads. So uh, our NYC group and now all of our 25 other groups are really open to dads of all stripes, as you said in the intro. Yeah, it's it's pretty amazing to, to realize that as far as we've come around dads being able to, to take on a larger role with their children there's still a way in which they're not seen that way in society. And I had a little fear of that. I had a fear of being ostracized. I'm someone who's very out, outgoing. I like to be out in the world. I couldn't imagine just staying home all day with my son. Uh, I'm very comfortable socializing with women. Most of my best friends are, but they wouldn't know that, these moms and nannies. And I wondered how that would all play out. And yet, uh, by, by being part of something greater, I launched a Facebook group for parents with kids around my kid's age, which is now nearly a thousand members and hosts a, a monthly baby clothing swap. That was my sort of way, I guess, of being introduced to the space. But I also felt like I was still missing something. And I'm really grateful I got very involved with the Boston Dads group and then got a chance to meet you when I you know, decided to, to fly away to, uh, to a conference about at-home dads, which is pretty amazing that, he, that exists, that we have come that far and that these options are out there. But what do you think is still sort of holding dads back from being able to find each other? Is it just a matter of naming it and giving people a space to connect? Or is there anything else that's sort of in the way? It's funny. Early on, as we started doing this and kind of moved beyond being just a, a group of, of guys getting together, we identified kind of ourselves as a voice for, for dads. So I, I, I made a list, actually, of kind of what is holding dads back from becoming full parents. Um, and the top of that list is kind of dads ourselves and, and men uh, being ourselves. And we, we weren't trained uh, to be active and engaged full-time parents. Um, uh, dads of the 70s and 80s when I were, was growing up, for the most part, were working. They were working full-time and their job was to bring home the paycheck while my at-home mom uh, took care of everything at home. And that's, I think, a lot of how a lot of people worked or how a lot of the families worked. And um, so we just didn't have any role models for for fathers at home and what that looked like, even if you weren't staying at home. So I think overcoming ourselves, our own ego, and what the kind of the dreams that we had for ourselves. I went to Wharton at the University of Pennsylvania for, for my undergraduate and... Um, did not think in college that I would be uh, an at-home dad for for the bulk of my working life now. Um, so thinking about kind of overcoming the vision we may have had when we were young, I think is an important aspect. Obviously, the partnership we have uh, at home with whoever it is, boyfriend, girlfriend, wife, husband, uh, even single parents parenting with somebody else, they need to to kind of divide and conquer and, and, and determine what their goals are and what that relationship looks like. And a full-time working dad who, has, who is uh, working 80 hours a week because that's the financial requirement that he has can't be 
at home uh, at five o'clock or six o'clock or seven o'clock for dinner every night. So the partnership is very important. Uh, we looked at the media uh, many about five or six years ago. Uh, the media portrayals of dads were horrible. Uh, making dads look like doofuses was was common, uh, and we started calling them out. A lot of other kind of dad influencers, bloggers, and other other guys started calling them out, and they actually listened. And you look at commercials today, and for the most part, they're uh, a pretty accurate representation not of dad as a hero, but dad as just a parent who's getting things done at home. Well, uh, the workplace. I mean, one more. Let me give you one sure, more. Sure. The workplace also yeah. obviously needs to buy into dads as parents. Uh, so many studies show that uh, the workplace loves when a man becomes a dad because they know that he's kind of locked in. He's not as likely to leave because he needs that job that much more. Uh, for women, of course, it's it's the opposite. They, they think the woman is going to be less dedicated to her career. So... Uh, not fair to moms or dads, and dads need to step in and really uh, stake their ground and join women uh, in the fight for a workplace that uh, values parenting in a different way. Well, I'm really happy to be helping you spread the message around this because I know my audience is probably listening to this and thinking about how it might relate to their life. And some might be thinking, like, this is something I, I would love to be able to consider, but it seems really hard to consider. And I imagine every time a family comes to this decision, it's unique. I mean, I got that experience even talking to the at-home dads at that conference that everyone sort of came to this sometimes purposefully, sometimes it's just what happened. It was circumstance. But for you to take on this leadership role, like how did you first envision yourself? Like you you started as a play group, but like how did it go from from that to you and Lance sort of co-leading this movement with dads? I think the big f biggest part for me is we have given Lance and I have given each other the leeway way to give to it what we have uh, over the course of time. We started this group, uh, NYC Dads Group, a little over eight years ago, and at the time we were both parents of newborns, so we could spend an hour a week on it and and really no more. Uh, but uh, now that my kids are eleven and eight. I send them off to school at 8.30 and they come home at 2.30 and I scramble for those six hours in between uh, to get stuff done. And I've chosen to use that time. Um, and that that's now the expanded version of time when my kids started preschool or they went to elementary school. I've just had more time to give and Lance has had more time to give. Um, and we've been able to kind of figure out how to best use it. And it was just, um, for me... Originally, um, I, I thought about the privilege I had of being at home and, and be, being in this role as a dad for my kids, but I didn't think it's a privilege that working dads shouldn't have. Uh, so I wanted to really create an opportunity for all dads to have time with their kids and meet up and to meet other dads and to learn from other dads and to socialize. And that became kind of our vision is creating this community. Uh, a, a community that moms have had forever. Uh, I, we wanted to do something similar for dads. So at what point in all of this did you decide you were going to create a boot camp? Uh, the new dad boot camps came in, I'd say, about year four. Um, again, as we had more time, Lance and I were both teachers. Uh, so we thought about kind of writing a, a curriculum for expecting dads. We wanted to kind of share the the wisdom. And again, we looked out at New York City and saw absolutely nothing specifically for dads uh, and dads that were expecting. Of course, a ton of classes for moms and some classes for partners. But um, we thought we thought there should be something for expecting dads. And then we came across uh, this national or organization called Dads Adventure. And they had been running a program called Boot Camp for New Dads uh, for 20 plus years in 47 states. Uh, so we bought the the rights to run that program in New York City, and uh, that's, I believe, about five or six years ago. So uh, it's been part of, of who we are in New York City for a long time, um, and hopefully, or we, we envision other cities embracing it as well over time. It's, it's a tough program to manage, but uh, very valuable. I imagine it's very valuable. I I remember going into the, the hospital for the prenatal class with my 
my wife and nobody talked to each other while we were waiting for the class to start. And I teach networking. So I teach people about taking advantage of these small sort of networking opportunities at sessions. Like when you first get there, like chat with the people who are in the room. These are the people you have something in common with. And people were just sort of in their own world. They just, like, I was thinking, I don't want to get into this all by myself. Like, where's the community? And when you're expecting, you really don't have that community quite yet. You're still looking for it. I think after the baby is born, like, you suddenly have access to all kinds of resources, but you're busy with a newborn. So I was determined to to sort of show up places beforehand. I actually went to my first Boston dad's group before my son was born. I think several months actually before he was born, um, which they were surprised by. But I was like, I'm not going to have time in the few months right after. I have to sort of figure this all out now. But I think most people come to this maybe not as prepared or not as connected as they would like to be. Uh, so it's wonderful that you have these resources and hopefully more you know, cities around the country are, have things like this. And now people will know that they can go see if there's a city dads group near them because now there's 26, which is qu- covering quite a bit of territory. Are they in all parts of the country, like different regions? Like how, how expansive has that become? Uh, they We're pretty much covering the whole country now. There's a few cities uh, or a few big cities that we, d- we don't have groups. Um, Seattle, Washington, D.C. are two that I can think of offhand. Houston, we don't have a group. But for the most part, we're in almost every big metropolitan area and in a few smaller metropolitan areas. We, we generally look for big cities, uh, the biggest cities across the U.S., but there are some groups that were founded by friends that we had met either uh, through the At Home Dad Network or Dad2 Summit. So we have some thriving groups in Fresno, California, and Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Madison, Wisconsin, that uh, really have embraced the model as well. That's great. What do you find most rewarding about the work you're doing today? I love seeing uh, what we've been doing in in New York City working in other places. We have the conversation every time uh, with the guys that are thinking about starting a group that New York City is different. It won't work either because everything is too spread out or uh, people are different or, uh, or they come up with all sorts of reasons. They don't live in the actual city. They live in the suburbs of a city. And I think after almost four years of watching these groups start and grow, there's there's really no place that it can't work. Uh, dads are looking to get together. Uh, they do want to meet each other and... Uh, if you kind of follow, we we think if you follow this recipe that we have outlined, that you can create a nice community of dads. Well, so hopefully now someone from Seattle, Houston, and DC will reach out to you and say, "Well, I'm ready to start this," and then start a conversation with you. I imagine it's quite the vetting process. That's part of leadership is creating curriculum, creating, uh, like you said, a recipe so it can be repeated. That's that's hard. That's not an easy thing to do. Being hyper-local, like I run a group that's very local, um, both the parenting group and a a progressive community network that I run. And uh, it's hard to imagine how I would repeat that and still retain, I guess, some of that branding. That that must be also part of the skill set that you brought in. Uh, We've tried. We definitely, branding uh, was something important to us. We wanted to bring kind of the same uh, experience to uh, the dads that were joining one of our groups. So if you joined a group in New York or Chicago or in Los Angeles, you'd know what you're you're getting into. So we we've outlined some pretty specific things that we expect groups to do, and we have uh, we develop all of the kind of the online look and feel graphics and and logos and all of that for groups, business cards uh, and other handouts, banners, T-shirts. We try to. Uh, give all of the the cities the same kind of look and feel, but we also want to give dads on the ground leeway to uh, create experiences that make sense in their city. That a meetup in Boston in February is going to look a lot different than a meetup in Fresno, California in February. So <laughs> you guys need to be able to do what what makes sense for your group of dads. What's been challenging about building this out and and what what have you done to overcome that challenge? Personalities, of course. We, egos. Everybody 
everybody has an idea of what they want to build. And some groups have been existing groups uh, that uh, we've transitioned to become a city dads group. So some were dormant. And so there wasn't a whole lot of issue in terms of becoming a city dads group. Others have been active groups uh, where some people thought that everything was fine. Other people wanted to do something different. So kind of trying to, to assure people that we're not, we're not trying to take over and, and inflict anything unreasonable on them has, has been part of it. Um, I think our values um, and, and who we are as a group uh, is always the, the thing we want to make sure is, is well understood before a group of guys start uh, in any given city. Uh, we all know that, that uh, the country itself is becoming divided um, and, Frankly, our groups stand on one side of that divide, and it doesn't matter whether you're in a conservative city or in a conservative state. Our groups are, um, especially from a social perspective, um, very open and welcoming, and we don't have any tolerance for for members or leaders that aren't willing to recognize the vast array of of dads and men that uh, may want to be part of the, that group, and we want to make sure that. Uh, they feel welcome, uh, and it's not about tolerance. It's about uh, creating a welcoming community, and um, that has not worked for everybody. So we uh, have had to have some have some tough conversations, uh, either before a group starts or after a group has already started. And and uh, we're we're pretty firm in in standing up for our values, regardless of of where uh, these groups are. That's really impressive, and I know that it is difficult to to sort of walk your values, not just state them. It was one of the things that impressed uh, me when I first heard Modern Dad's podcast. I think I literally opened up my podcast app and typed in "dad," and that's how I found you. <laughs> um, and that's after good. I listened to a few other shows that didn't seem like they were very structured, or they're just like two dads talking a lot. And I was impressed right away, both with types of guests that you were bringing on on Modern Dads podcast, but also right from the very first episode in the intro, really explicitly naming all the different types of dads that might be welcomed in and making it clear, you know, moms, you can listen to like, we're all in this, this is about parenthood. And it's quite impressive. I know, starting a podcast myself, Initially, you sort of connect with people that you know, right? You have sort of your your colleague circle that you can tap for guests, but then as you grow, you're able to reach further out. Um, what was it like starting that? What what made you decide to even start a podcast? That's a not something that everyone's doing, but it's definitely a wonderful medium. Yeah, we actually started before it became the hot thing, um, which is kind of funny. We have a member of NYC Dad's group that uh, was producing a hip-hop podcast. He's been an at-home dad, and he kind of had a dream of of making uh, kind of podcast production uh, a revenue source or or a a job or a business. So he came to us and said that he would like to work with us to start the podcast. And he really, he really pushed us because it wasn't something that I had on my radar screen. I didn't really listen to podcasts being in New York city. I don't have a car. I don't have an opportunity to, to just listen to to the radio or to podcasts. So it wasn't something I had on my radar radar screen. Uh, But what we were doing in New York uh, was meeting authors. Uh, We fairly regularly, uh, when authors were doing their book tours, they had reached out to us and said, would love to either invite your group to my book signing at Barnes & Noble or whatever local bookstore, or sit down with your group separately. So we ended up having, in the first few years, many authors and other types of experts sit down with us and, and 12 or 15 guys uh, in our group and having those conversations. And the podcast became a way... Uh, to really um, share and amplify those experts and voices uh, that we uh, really appreciate. And it was really important to me to not have a show that was just two dads sitting around sharing their experience. I thought that had been done, and that's fine. And there are people that that, uh, like that kind of show, but I wanted this to be a show where 
uh, people could learn. And one of our goals from the beginning with City Dads Group and NYC Dads Group has been kind of giving dads the same tools and resources uh, and education that moms uh, pretty easily get. So this was a great opportunity for us to uh, bring that all together. Are there any other projects in the works or things that we haven't covered that are part of the City Dads Group Network? Uh, we have been pretty focused on uh, figuring out how to make these groups in other cities work. Um, it's funny, we just, I think we started City Dads Group about three and a half years ago. And we obviously in New York meet every year. The leadership team of, of the NYC Dads Group meets every year. But uh, the focus has been nationwide rather than local. So I think uh, for the first time in a long time, we as a leadership team in New York sat down and said, what can we do to grow NYC Dads Group? And that uh, obviously uh, amplifies out to the other groups across the country when something's working in New York uh, we share it uh, and and help it to work. Um, I think some of our brand relationships, we always are establishing new relationships and we really focus on creating something that is, we call a triple win, a win for the dads in our group, uh, getting either something free, like a stroller or a car seat or a, or a, a, a carrier from Baby Bjorn or a package of products from Plum Organics, we really want to create something that dads in our group are interested in. Uh, we want to create a win for the brands in terms of being able to amplify uh, the brand's message. Uh, somewhere along the way, we, we recognized we had an audience and brands started seeking us as well to kind of connect with dads. And uh, we, wanted, we wanted a win for City Dads Group. Uh, probably five years ago, we started actually charging for for, for our work with brands, and that's the money that we've used to build out City Dads Group. Uh, we don't charge our members any sort of membership. Uh, the money is coming from brands who want to reach our audience. And uh, brand relationships, we started because we wanted to change the way brands were portraying dads, uh, but they've turned out to be amazing partners in helping us grow. We've had a relationship with Dove Men Plus Care, uh, for as long as there has been a Dove Men Plus Care brand, and they have, uh, they along with several other brands, have really been the foundation of helping us grow across the country. I, I think it's really um, impressive that this this little idea, this little play group, you saw it through, and in each iteration, as it got more complicated and more expensive, you found ways to cover that. Now you're bringing the brands in. Uh, it's 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 really inspiring. I mean, as someone who who thinks about entrepreneurship quite a bit, you know, oftentimes you, you're told to find your niche and, you know, really niche down or riches are in the niches and you really found something people are, are searching for, people need, and you're providing so much value. I mean, it's, it's really impressive. But even with all of that, there's got to be some sort of concern about not getting something right. I mean, you know, you're having a lot of success. It sounds like you've you've worked through a formula that's working really well, but there's always that fear of of being wrong or making mistakes or failing. What's something that you're not good at, and how do you deal with that? Um, I, I think I definitely have those conversations in my mind, especially about what what's not working. How how are we failing? the organizers around the country that are working so hard to, to build the groups? How are we failing the dads that are part of our groups? Why aren't we growing faster? Uh, why are Wait, faster? It's three and a half years and you've grown 26 across the country. <laughs> That's pretty fast. Well, the, the, well the certainly need, the, the need 26 cities. The, need, the 26 cities is great, but if yeah. you think about New York City itself, we have almost 1,600 dads in, New York, in the New York City dads group, which is fantastic. But think about the number of dads in yeah. New York City and how many we aren't reaching. And, right. And why is that? I think... I, Lance and I still are balancing all of this against um, the fact that we are at-home dads and we are not willing to sacrifice not being home with our kids when they get home from school 
or Lance just had a, he and his wife just had a baby a little less, less than two years ago. He wanted to give his daughter the same, same opportunity he gave his son. So he really took a step back from city dads group, uh, at that time and, uh, was there full time for her when she, especially when she was a toddler and he's still working his way back to, to, the time that he uh, is able to give. So I'm, I'm not answering, this sounds like one of those answers to the question of uh, what is your weakness? And it, it, this is all coming out as sounding fairly positive, but um, I'm still struggling with kind of finding the right balance between um, being the dad that I want to be and the entrepreneur, business person, leader uh, of this group that has so much potential. Um, and I, I do beat myself up sometimes for not giving more to the group, but then I quickly realize I'm giving quite a lot to to what we're trying to do in this movement. It almost makes me think when someone starts out with a hobby, maybe um, designing jewelry or something like that, and then it becomes something really popular, and it's suddenly a business. And it was a lot of fun when it was just like on their own time, as they wanted to, when they felt like it but then they have to fill orders. And so you went from, you know, wanting to kind of bring dads together as you had time. Like you said, when you first got started, it was like an hour a week um, where now you have a business that you really do have to dedicate a certain amount of time to managing it. Your leadership team has to really all be in communication. So it's, it's shifted. It's a totally different animal than it was in the first few years. And you're still committed to being the dad, which is, great because otherwise <laughs> it'd be a little sad if the work you're doing to support dads made it less possible for you to absolutely. serve that role so absolutely and I, I mean i took last summer off i was off for my boys two boys get out of work or out of school excuse me uh, end of june and they start back up in september and of course there's things like paychecks or not paychecks but contractor checks that need to go out uh, then that needs some management over over that time, but I was not on uh, during the summer, and uh, that's still something that's important to us. And certainly, that meant that we gave we gave up on opportunities, and, and there's things that that drop off the radar screen. But uh, we really are trying to to make this work in the context of our lives, and that's what we encourage all of our organizers around the country. To do, we never want to put so much pressure on a group to grow or to get more active on social media or plan meetups um, outside of what they're comfortable with and the time that they're willing to give. So, uh, again, trying to to walk the walk. Walking the walk is very important to us. So we've we've touched on this a little bit, but this this idea of how much time and dedication the work you're doing takes, and that given it's sort of not separate from your home life. I mean, you're weaving it in and out. So what does self-care look like? What's that, any rituals or practices that you either do or want to be doing or hope to do? It's an excellent question. This just came up this week on another call I was on. I There's a great organization called the Third Path Institute that I do some work with or have been doing some work with. Uh, it's all about helping individuals, families, and workplaces uh, make life more manageable the, or make work and life uh, more man- manageable. And I was asked the same question, what, is my, what are my self-care habits? And um, I feel like I do not give any thought to my, my self-care. And I think uh, Jessica DeGroot, the, the founder I was on the call and she pointed out that that's, that is a very gender kind of gendered answer and that men don't necessarily think about self-care uh, nearly enough. And I, I am definitely not somebody who, um, it's not that I don't, I mean, I do exercise a bit, I do eat, eat well, but I don't think in the context of what am I doing for myself. Uh, and that's, I guess, uh, definitely on my radar screen is, is thinking more about that and, and trying to bring some of those self-care practices into my, into my life. Well, I'm glad to be another voice of reminding you about this <laughs> because we, we don't want to be burning out. And that's sort of my fear when someone pours themselves into a great idea, a great cause. And I've seen it happen. Um, 
they lose themselves and then they just get really exhausted, stressed out and frustrated. And then they leave that work to repair themselves in some way. And it's like, how do we integrate all these things? Balance may not even be the right word because in some ways it's an integrated life. Um, And I think that being at home is actually forcing me to think about it very differently than when I had a, a job that I went to. And then I had the things I did after my job because, you know, right before we hopped on this call, I came back from a music class with my son. I had to give him a quick meal. I had to put him down and then I'm doing this. And it's like, it's little bits of time here and there. Um, what I just started doing is this thing called Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. And I have always been a night owl and I've trained my son to sleep in to 8.30. So I was not going to change my ways. But I now get up at quarter to seven to have a little bit of time in the morning before he gets up to start my day on my time, which is a totally, I mean, it's been about a month, but it's been very transformational. And I feel like I'm taking a little more care about a lot of other aspects of the things I do, including writing, which is never something I have a lot of time for, but I think I'm making time for it. And I, I, I can't say yet how long term this will be, but <laughs> it's a, it's a hope that, uh, it's an intention, I guess, that I would keep this up and I've seen some good dividends from it already. Um, but it's not necessarily the first thing we think about, especially when we have others to care for. That's like, First and foremost, what we're going to put our attention to. If you had, it if it was something you could do, like, w- would you go for a run? Would you read more? Like, what do you think would be your thing? That was the follow-up question earlier this week too. Is what is my thing? It, it, and I'm trying to articulate because I actually think I haven't burned out because I am taking care of myself in a certain way, and that I, like, for example, taking this summer off allows me to get a, a new perspective on, on this business, this this organization that, that we're running. So in, in some sense, the joy and the privilege and opportunity I take to be with my sons enjoying summer uh, is a form of self-care and, and hugely rewarding for me and, and certainly lifts me up. Um, I I'm pretty good. I'm pretty disciplined about the the time I spend at work. Um, I'm having a little trouble with after school now, but my kids go to to school at eight thirty and they come home at two thirty, and that takes a tremendous amount of discipline to get work done in that in that time. And I I could be spending that time doing yoga or t- going for a run or going to the gym, and I I would like to incorporate more of that. Um, but I do drop everything for them at three. And the, the reason I said I'm struggling a little bit is because they don't necessarily need me at 11 and, and eight to be all in at three o'clock when they get home. Uh, so I, I can uh, look back at email if I need to, or I could take a call if I need to. So I'm, I'm figuring that out. But uh, if I were picking one thing that I definitely want to bring more of into my life is exercise and and taking care of myself. Uh, I've been trying to develop a yoga habit. I I downloaded an app uh, on Apple TV that uh, is 30 minutes of of basic yoga that uh, I, I haven't developed the habit yet, but I'm giving it a shot. I think what's wonderful is that once we look for it, there are lots of resources around to help us. Like I just started doing one of those videos at home as well because like getting to the gym was becoming difficult, but it's amazing. Like, and there are apps on our phones that help us track everything and Fitbits that we can wear on our wrists. So it is all sort of part of the mindfulness of, you know, you're here, you're, you're present, but it sounds like you're even taking that time off over the summer. That's tremendous. And that many people, if, if they had the opportunity, may not always have taken advantage of it because they would want to be building. Um, but you're right. Like that time is precious with your family. You have met so many people though. I, you know, this is a podcast about networking and relationship building. And, you know, since at least 2008 and plus your career before that, how do you keep in touch with all these different people you've connected with? Like what is, do you have a strategy or any kind of, um, are you being purposeful in any way? To, to nurture those relationships, to stay in touch with people, or is it more haphazard? Like, what are your, what's your plans with that? 
I think it definitely is not thoughtful. Or it's it's not thoughtful. It's not planned. Um, but I think social media is this amazing tool we have been given in these last few years. To so when I meet an author and get to have an author on our podcast, I either knew that author before and have already been following them, or I'm now following them on Facebook or Twitter and can now keep up with what they're going, they're doing. And even that thumbs up on, on Facebook is, is a little nudge that I'm here, I'm thinking about you and I look forward to reconnecting at, at some point. And uh, I mean, I've, our podcast, we've only done 59 episodes, but I've had multiple people on twice because they've done something new and we had such a good time the first time, like, welcome back. Let's talk about your next project. So, um, Social media for me is a big part of what we do as City Dads Group, but also personally um, finding amazing people, meeting amazing people, and staying connected to amazing people has been a, a great benefit. If you had the opportunity to speak to your younger self, maybe when you're 25 years old, is there one thing in particular you'd encourage yourself to do to build a strong and supportive professional network? I think uh, always step outside I would, I would tell my 25-year-old 25, 25 self to step outside the comfort, my comfort zone and, and keep pushing, uh, what that, pushing out from what that comfort zone looks like. I am not an extroverted person. I am not one that is excited about uh, getting into a room and meeting people like you are. Uh, that, that takes some effort for me, and um, I have always... I have always made that effort, but I would never uh, in a million years thought uh, 17 years later, after being 25, that uh, I would know the people across New York City, across the country, across the world that I know. And uh, it's all been because I have pushed beyond uh, what was comfortable, uh, especially uh, when I was an at-home dad, had been home for three years and had, had lost myself, pushing myself to get back into the world was hugely important. So uh, it's been a great gift to, uh, to, to know so many people and, and, and push myself to, to be out there. That's a great tip. And um, I hope people really take that to heart because I think we can really fall into a pattern of being um, and, you know, even being more extroverted, I found that if you just kind of go through a room air kissing everyone, <laughs> you're not, <laughs> you know, giving hugs and handshakes, but not standing to really stay and have a conversation. Um, you, there's something being lost in that as well. So um, when I do trainings on uh, the art of the schmooze and how to sort of be in a space and create a welcoming space, I think there's a balance. I think it's about being seen, heard, and respected. And, and it seems like you found that for yourself by stepping into a leadership role. People are more likely to come up to you and say hello, as I did, right? You don't have to seek people out quite yes. as much. So <laughs> that is absolutely <laughs> that is absolutely true. That uh, that helps. And I remember there's a great conference called the Dad 2.0 Summit that's coming up in February. Uh, this is the sixth year, and I think in the first or second year. Um, someone I had met for the first time came up to me at the end of the conference and said, it just looks like you really, and you're just taking it all in. You're meeting so many different people and you're just taking it all in. And that's, I really do enjoy sitting down and having real conversations with people. And, and, and it, it may be 45 minutes that we're standing at a party talking. And I know at a, the, the at home dad conference, we were both at, we spent, pretty significant time talking it wasn't just a a moment of saying hello nice to meet you it was there is at least 20 minutes that we got to know each other a little bit and i that's what i that's what sustains me through these conferences i i do not like the uh the the moment of shaking hands and hey bro how you doing mm -hmm. that's great it it's such a good reminder for those that are listening that there are lots of ways to sort of go to these, these large events and, and hopefully come away with a few new connections. We're going to definitely meet each other a year from now. This is my sort of wrap-up question. I know I'm going to see you again. I know we're going to cross paths one way or another at one of these big conferences or I'll come down to New York and say hello. You know, when we do, and we're talking about what a great year it's been, 
what are the accomplishments that we'll be celebrating that you've achieved? Um, I think what I'm hoping for most out of the next year is um, some more group, some of some more of our groups really getting um, all the pieces of the puzzle of what City Dads Group is all about. You joining uh, the team in Boston has uh, really propelled the team in a in a new direction, and the, and some other guys have joined since. Uh, the team of you in Boston, I'm really excited about seeing all that you're doing. And I think that's going to be amazing for Boston dads. Um, teams in Chicago and LA have been on fire the last year or two, really embracing uh, what we're trying to do and the different pieces of what we're trying to do. So I hope to be able to tell you that we've got many, many groups that uh, are, are firing on, on all cylinders uh, as far as creating these communities of dads across the country. That's wonderful. So how can people find you or follow your work? Uh, best bet is to go to citydadsgroup.com. Um, that's where I'm paying attention most. All of our social media is City Dads Group as well. Um, personally, I'm, I'm on, on all of the social media channels personally as well. Um, but citydadsgroup.com is the best bet. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for spending some time and talking with me. I appreciate it. It's been great. We're looking forward to doing it again sometime. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Matt Schneider. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. Before I jump into takeaways, I wanted to explain this episode's title. Too often, when dads are out with their kids, someone will comment that it must be daddy day. See, for me, that's every day. Or some will go further and say, it's great that dad is babysitting. In response to this common interaction, the National At-Home Dad Network created a shirt that says, dads don't babysit. It's called parenting. I love this shirt and I wear it proudly. It's not special that I'm taking care of my kid. Please don't lavish praise on dads for doing our job as parents. Please also don't ostracize us if you see a dad on the playground or dropping off his kids at school. Whether we're at-home dads or working dads, we all want a supportive community of parents because it's not an easy job, as any parent will confess. So back to my conversation with Matt. What is your key takeaway? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. One of the things stood out for me was how Matt and his business partner Lance saw a need and took action to create the community they were seeking. But they didn't stop with just one playgroup. They knew the need was greater than their neighborhood, that active and engaged dads across the country were lacking the kind of support that moms receive. So, even though Matt and Lance were both at-home dads with limited time, they still managed to launch City Dads Group, and now there are dads groups in 26 cities. And they even figured out a way to monetize that doesn't require members to pay. In fact, they're being paid to educate brands, and those brands are now doing a better job portraying dads in a positive light and not as doofuses who don't know how to change a diaper. How can you apply these steps to your life? Start small by meeting a need on a local level and then inspire others to take on leadership in their own neighborhoods. You never know. You might just be starting a movement of your own. Matt also mentioned he is an introvert and doesn't love the idea of going into a large room full of people and mingling. Yet, he pushed himself out of his comfort zone to create City Dads Group, and now people are drawn to him at big events, and he enjoys having those more in-depth conversations. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know I always ask my guests about their self-care habits. If you give, 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 and don't put energy into taking care of yourself, you risk burning out, and then you aren't going to be able to help anyone else. For years, I heard about the idea of work-life balance, but... Now I realize that what we're all striving for is more closely described as work-life integration. See, the line between work and home has really been blurred, so it's even more important that we have rituals and practices that we do on a regular basis to help us manage our own mental and physical health. Do you have a self-care routine that you actually practice? Is there a habit you've been trying to form? For me, it all starts with sleeping and eating well, then adding in exercise and meditation. I don't profess to doing this well all the time, but I know I can't be there for my family and my business if I don't take care of myself first. 
One of the things I do for self-care is schedule quality time with my family and close friends. I particularly like to schedule fun activities weeks or months in advance, so I have something to look forward to when I'm very busy. I also use productivity tools to be as efficient as possible as a solopreneur, so I have more time each day to spend with my son while meeting the needs of my business. One of the tools I rely on is called Schedule Once. It's a calendaring app that makes it easy for me to schedule time with colleagues and new contacts. Of course, I need to keep track of these relationships, and for that I use Contactually, a robust CRM that's perfect for managing my professional network. I use it to help me manage my most important relationships and the ones I hope will become significant. As an affiliate for Contactually, they're offering my listeners a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. Let me know if you sign up for the free trial, and I'll help you get set up for success. Visit Contactually.com slash invite slash moves for more details. That's Contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. For your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 41. Do you host a conference or convention and want your attendees to feel that your event was incredibly valuable because of all the connections they made? I work with associations and companies to design events that increase engagement and create a welcoming culture for all attendees, especially your first-time attendees. The result is that long-time attendees, presenters, and board members have a host mentality, and all attendees have the tools to strategically build relationships and their professional network at your event. If you want to increase ROI for your attendees and therefore their retention, email me and we'll schedule a call. Email Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. That's R-O-B-B-I-E at R-O-B-B-I-E-S-A-M-U-E-L-S.com. And I would love it if listeners join the launch team for my book, which will be released this summer. It's called Croissants versus Bagels, Strategic, Effective, and Inclusive Networking, Conference Edition. If you'd like to receive an advanced copy in exchange for an honest review, send me an email. Again, that's Robbie at RobbieSamuels.com. And if you want to discover other business podcasts, check out C-Suite Radio at c-suiteradio.com, where you'll find On the Schmooze in good company with other C-Suite Radio headliners. I want to sincerely thank all of you who've already subscribed and left a rating review in iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating review, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance, and I look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be sharing the details of a study that explains why networking makes us feel dirty. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.